Our scripture reading today is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, found on page 857 of your pew Bibles. Let us pray. Almighty God, Lord, we come humbly before you today and we ask, God, that you would reveal yourselves to us. God, in your unchanging ways and your immutable thoughts, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to understand beyond our feelings, beyond our own understanding, God, that our futile understanding, God, that you would reveal to us your holy truth. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Since then, we have a high, great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Word of God for the people of God. They left the music one up here. I, I feel a little bit uh, under a target with that one. So We are back into Hebrews. So uh, to kind of remind you where we are, where we've been, um, we've, we've been going through a section where um, we're, we're seeing how Jesus is better than a lot of the covenant institutions, the Old Testament institutions and leaders how he is greater than Moses and, and greater than the prophets. And, and then we've hit a section where there's a warning. It's therefore, don't, don't drift away, um, hold fast, persevere in trusting him, uh, because just as the people who were freed out of Egypt, um, not all of them made it into the promised land because of their lack of faith, there's a reminder that just coming out that we're not saved merely from something, we're saved to an eternal life, entrance into the kingdom. And so our life of salvation is one that is a faith that perseveres, a faith that continues. And there's the reminder that Joshua was not able to bring them into that final rest, that even entering into the land was pointing into a rest that remains for God's people. Therefore, persevere and hold fast and we're in this point now uh, that's going to be a transition. We're going to be in a large uh, middle section of Hebrews where it's talking about Jesus as our great high priest. And so this is turning now towards considering him as our great high priest. And we need to think about that for a moment because um, priest is not something we're, fam uh, you know, think about as much, at least in the same way, because of following Christ, um, the, the old priesthood is not something we've experienced, that we know about, that we think about. It was the idea that one had to make a sacrifice uh, to represent the people before God, that someone had to come and, and speak on behalf of God, to be a, a go-between people and God. And we we're not used to that idea. We're not used to the idea of, of sacrifices and 
um, someone being in a particular class to do this or a particular uh, tribe to do this, that, that there was someone set apart for this purpose. And even the whole idea and a need is probably something unfamiliar to us. We're in such a democratic time. I mean, you know, democracy, uh, destroying hierarchies, not having any kind of idea of someone being over others, the idea that we're all equal. And, and we're in a time when the idea of, well, we kind of have this impression that to truly be authentic is to be informal, irreverent. To be just kind of let your hair down and hang out is, is the real life. And so this whole idea of I couldn't just walk into somebody as my equal um, is something different for us. But, but, you know, there's times in your life that becomes really real to you. We were, um, I was with Graham on a trip to Washington, D.C. Um, last spring, went to the White House. I, uh, I'd never been before. First, I have to say I was very proud to see a Tennessean statue right in front of the White House. Andrew Jackson on his horse felt good. But then although the, these um, walls, these massive gates, you know, um, and a lot of secret servicemen. And I was looking around, and, and on top of some of the buildings, there seemed to be people moving with really long-range rifles. And I was thinking, if I can see this, just think of how many, much security I can't see and how much is keeping an eye on things that you can't see. So in other words, it's not like I'm just going to walk in and go, hey, um, I want to see Joe. No, no. I mean, it's just, it, there's, it, it made me realize how much madness of someone trying to jump over the gate it's not going to happen. You're not just going to walk in, announce yourself, and treat the president of the United States as an equal. But how much less can we do that or expect to do that with God? That we could, who have rebelled, who, who are nothing compared to him, who, who only know of him because of what he has revealed to us, and what we do know we have disobeyed and turned from, that, that we could just come before him on our own? It, it is not the way that's presented in Scripture. And so the understanding of needing a priest, of needing a mediator between us and this holy God is very real. And anyone we see encountering the real God knows the weight of that and the fear of that, of, of seeing his holiness, of, of seeing his glory. And so there is the need for one who is between us and who can bring us to this God. Now, there, there are ways we go and see people who are behind gates and security. If we know someone, if we know someone who says they're with me, we get an audience. And that's very much what a priest would do. It, it would provide an audience for um, God and speak on behalf of God. And so this is what we need in a priest, and this is what we have in Jesus. We have a great high priest. He has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold to our confession, and we can approach with confidence the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help. So 
this passage is telling us two things about Jesus as our priest. The first is that he is able to do what a priest does. He's able to bring us before God, and he is willing to do that. So the first, he is able to do this. You know, I just think of how many uh, philosophies, how many religions, how many views of the world are based on someone thinking really hard and saying, this is what I think God is like. I meditated a long time, and this is what was revealed to me. So this is what I think the world is like. Or this is my experience. I've seen all these things, and I've experienced so much that I can have a wisdom to say, this is how we ought to live. And I I think of how many conversations I've had, um, especially those late-night college things when you think you know so much and... um, or those conversations I get in when people find out I'm a preacher and they don't run the other way and they want to tell me what they think about how often there's just kind of let me think about what I think the world ought to be like and who I think God ought to be like. And we dare kind of say, if we can think about it, um, this is what we imagine and we can just live as though this is what it is. But here is the difference with Jesus. He's actually done it. He's actually gone through the grave and entered into the eternal rest that we are seeking. He has passed into the, through the heavens. That, that is, Jesus has suffered on the cross for our sins, and he died. But unlike anyone who else has gone to the grave, on his own power, he came back from the grave. He is, was resurrected, and he lives, and now has ascended into heaven and is there mediating for us. He has passed into the heavens. So it's not just here, I think this will work. It is, I have done this. Trust me and follow me. Christ has conquered the grave. He has entered into the rest that he's promised. He is capable of doing what he said he will do. That is why Jesus told us, You believe the Father, believe also in me. I go before you to prepare a place for you. He has gone before us to bring us into this rest that is promised. And it's not just, I think this is going to be the way it is, but I've done this, therefore trust me. And we we get what he, uh, we go with him. This is part of what our union with Christ is, is that we reap the benefit of what he has done. He has entered into the heavenlies, and we will enter in with him if our faith is in him, if we are united with him through trust. Athanasius, which we really should have more children named Athanasius. He was a really great leader in the church. It was back in the 300s, but, but still... Um, Athanasius said, he became what we are so that we become what he is. It's not just that Jesus came and identified with us in our humanity and lived life with us, but he did that so that we now can be joined with him and we will be united with him through covenant with a relationship with the Holy Trinity and enter into the heavenlies and eternal life, that we will receive his glory And so he has passed to the heavenlies. He is able. Therefore, hold fast to your confession. Don't give up on this trust. The things that we say in the creed, the things we read in the scriptures, the things we believe, hold fast to them. He's able to do it. 
Now, I, I, I wouldn't think anyone in this room would doubt God's ability, would doubt that Jesus is capable of doing what he can do. But you might be like me, and it is not uncommon for me to doubt his willingness. Oh, I know God can save. I know God can forgive. I know God can heal. I know God can work out the problems in my life, the difficulties I'm facing in my job, with my family, with health. I know he can do that, but is he willing? After how many times I've stumbled, how much I've gone through that I deserve, how much in my past that he is absolutely right to not forgive, to pass up, to, to bless, to provide, to heal. Yet he is willing. He came to us. We do not um, have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He shared our life with us. He knows what it is to be human. He went through all that we go through. Scripture doesn't record it, but if he was fully human, he probably had the flu at some point. He definitely went through puberty. He had a family. And just because he was sinless doesn't mean his family was. He dealt with all of the family issues, the dynamics that we deal with. He had a business. Some of you might have customers or coworkers you want to strangle. So did Jesus. Yet never strangled them. He knew what it was like to deal with difficult people. Most of his life was the ordinariness of family and neighbors and work and all the things of neighbors and the difficulties and yet never sinned. He knows what it is to be tempted, to, to want to use words to hurt someone, to, to take what did not belong to him, to lust after someone. He was tempted in every way you are tempted and yet never sinned. And in some ways, it is worse because of that, because how many times we are tempted and knowing we probably couldn't get away with it, but he could. How many times are we tempted and after we finally give in and lose our cool, we feel a little bit of satisfaction because we're not resisting temptation anymore, but then we feel the guilt. But he never gave in. There was never the release and the satisfaction of giving in to temptation. He was tempted in every way so that now as he is at the right hand of the Father and you pray for forgiveness, he is at the Father's right hand saying, I remember what it was like to be so hungry that you're just ill. I remember what it was like to be tempted by how good that seemed it would be and how really, he knows what it is. And when he's on making intercession for us, he is beside us knowing what it is like. He is willing to forgive, to provide, to heal, to do all that we ask of him. And more than that, the whole reason he came as one who could identify with us is because it is the nature of the Father. Because he is able, because he is willing, we see we have access to a Father whose heart 
is shown in Jesus. Let us then with confidence draw near. I want to just passing comment about this. Notice it is us. We don't go individually. We, we certainly go um, in individual prayer, but we do so remembering we're part of a community, that we're praying for other people. We're going to this throne on behalf of one another. We're going together. We're encouraging one another. So don't take this and immediately think this is just personal, but it is personal as part of a community. That we go with confidence, not with the confidence of, well, God owes me a favor, or heaven just wouldn't be heaven without me, surely he'll listen to me, but with the confidence of, my Savior Jesus loves me, and he's gone before and done so much for me, surely I can approach this throne. But here's what catches us, and here shows us the heart of God We come to the throne of grace. We've probably heard that enough. We pass over it. It doesn't stand out to us. Do you realize how absolutely unique that idea is? If you were reigning in the ancient Near East, you would say, I have a throne of wrath. I have a throne of justice. I have a throne of might and strength. I have a throne of iron. We have this idea that there's power and there's might because a throne is the seat of government. And then the king, there's all of the governance. It's legislative, it's executive, it's it's, um, judiciary. He's, He's making judgment. And this idea that you would come before him, that he would say, this is a throne of glory, of majesty. When the idea of a throne is to show power and to display strength. But God's throne is a throne of grace. He is just. He does what is right. He is a God who will not overlook sin, but his heart is a God who is a throne of grace. So we come before him whose heart is grace, knowing he's able to do all things and know his willingness to do things, and we approach with boldness to ask whatever we need. If you're here this morning and your, your, your greatest need is to be reconciled to God, that you, you know that you need forgiveness, that you're not right with Him, it might be that you think you have to clean yourself up before you can come to this throne. It might be that you have to make yourself all better before you can come to God. But don't you see, this is the whole idea that you come to Him as you are with grace and you receive mercy You don't receive a reward for trying really hard and he's going to help you out. You receive grace, forgiveness. He's willing to do that. He's he's promised that and he has the power to do that. Come to him and trust in him and trust of what that will bring you to. And, And brother and sister, as you come to pray, Approach the throne of grace, knowing you do so with one another who, who, who's encouraging you and praying for you and with you on all these things. I've got to say, I love how much I'm, I'm watching as you pray for one another and as you take your prayer seriously and, and you're lifting up one another and your needs in prayer. But we do so coming knowing that he is able and willing and you come with boldness if you need forgiveness No matter how many times you've stumbled, he's ready to forgive. No matter how bad the problem is in your family or at work or whatever you're going through, he is able and willing 
to hear you. Therefore, go with boldness. He's not begrudgingly giving you something. He is one who says, my throne is grace. Come and receive help in time of need. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forevermore. Amen. Would you please stand as we confess what we believe?